Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Good morning, church. Good morning. How are you? Well, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Jay. I have the wonderful honor of serving with our dream team here at LifePoint and get an opportunity to serve in the area of outreach and production and setup and really kind of whatever's needed. I'm kind of, I've always told the Lord that my answer is always going to be yes until he tells me is to say no. And so that's kind of what I do. So as whatever's needed, um, I give my heart to it and give my hands to it as long as I can contribute positively. But it's really good to see you this morning. And I first want to take a moment to look right over here to my left. And church, we have a wonderful lead pastor team. Amen. Can we give him a hand? And, you know, I, I said this last time I had the opportunity up here, but um, this husband and wife duo has believed whenever I couldn't believe. And so I have borrowed their faith so that I can stand whenever I didn't feel like I could stand. And for the entire church who has provided such a, a energy, and as you'll hear in my story today, a recovery um, yeah, I'm just eternally grateful. So Pastor Sean, Pastor Jen, thank you so much for the opportunity, for your trust, for your confidence, and for your love. And for you all here this week, I, I hope you had a good week. Did you have a good week? Yeah, yeah I know. We, you never know. You never know what a week may be because it's, every week has a Monday, and everybody knows Mondays have a potential to be Monday. But this week, regardless of what you may have been through, we got to see a glimpse of hopefully what is to come soon because despite the wind and the rain, we got to see some warmer weather. And you know, some people took advantage of that a little more than others. I saw, I saw uh, shorts and flip-flops already. I wasn't there, but I was ready for some warmer weather. So it gives a sign that God is good and it will soon be here. And I found myself this week just kind of uh, daydreaming a little bit whenever it was warm and um, just was reminded about vacationing. Can you th uh, just dream with me for just a moment? I mean, I don't know what it's gonna look like this summer, but it kind of just maybe, maybe feels like we could get back to kind of some pre-COVID vacationing, which would be really, really, really cool. I don't know about you, but be really cool. Just a time where you can breathe freely, where you're not as concerned about what all is going on as the Lord continues to move us into this new phase of post-pandemic. That's my heart. That's my prayer anyway. But I'm looking forward to some vacationing. And as I look forward to some vacationing, I was reminded of a vacation that I took several years back. It was the very first time I took a cruise. Has anybody been on a cruise? Anybody? Yeah, if you've been on a cruise, you know what I'm talking about. But the first time, you got that little bit of the jitters because you know what? The boat's big, the water's deep, and yeah, you're just not sure what's going to go on. But I remember the very first cruise I went on. And I was, remember walking around, and it was time to go to the stateroom, and, and I wanted to see what that was about. And I was standing out on the balcony. And off and on throughout the first few moments and hours on the ship, I, every now and then I'd hear this out of nowhere, hey, Big Blue. I, okay, I just kept on going. Well, I'm in my room and I'm leaning over the balcony kind of looking down because that's what you do, getting ready to wave to the people on the shore as you, you drift away. And I keep on hearing, hey, Big Blue. And finally, I'm, I don't know what's going on because I have this feeling that they're talking to me. So I turn around, and I look up 
And apparently there's a fellow UK fan about three decks above me who's looking down at the top of my hat that had the big UK logo on it. And so he waves like, yeah, yeah, me too, go big blue. So he starts the whole C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats thing. And some of, you, some of you may chant that with me and some of you may think, wow, that's the worst chant ever. But whatever it is, that was my experience there. And throughout that cruise, every opportunity that presented itself where he and I were in a vicinity. It was always, hey, Big Blue. And so he kind of became my cruise buddy. I wasn't looking for a cruise buddy, but I, I found a cruise buddy. And it was all because he saw my hat that had a logo of a team that we shared a common respect and support of. And as I think about that experience in my life, I can't help but think about how our personal connections that we have with people, as random or arbitrarily as they may be, such as, you know, a, a, a fellow sports team, they have the potential to lead to meaningful and impactful relationships in our life. Because here's what I honestly believe. I honestly believe if me and my cruise buddy would have kept up with one another after we got off that boat, that we probably would have been BFFs by now. If nothing else, game day BFFs. But it all began with just him seeing, hey, he's roots for the same team that I do. And here's what I know about life is outside of family, every meaningful relationship that we have most likely began because you had a common interest with somebody. Right. Maybe it was your workplace, or maybe it was your school, or maybe it was your gym, or maybe it was a coffee shop. Think about your relationships beyond the family that are very near and dear to your heart. How did they begin? Maybe you knew somebody that they knew and somehow within the context of relationships, you were introduced to them and now they're one of the most important people in your life. You value that relationship and possibly it all began because they had something in common. It could be anything. It could be the small group that you're gonna walk into right now that here in about four weeks, you're gonna find out, you know what? I've got a best friend. And it all began because the church that you went to was common, the small group that you went to was common. And the power that common interests have, the power that common connection has in our lives goes way beyond just the capacity to start a relationship. Because today I want us to go along a journey of a life, uh, the life of a man named Peter who experienced something in his life that became the connection point that God would use to allow him to influence and encourage and support and to care and to pastor other people. See, it wasn't just the common connection that set the stage for the relationship to be formed. It was the common connection that laid the foundation whereby he was used from God, by God to strengthen others. And as we get into our passage, it's going to be in Luke chapter 22, if you want to open up your Bible there on your phone, or however it may be. It'll be on the screen for you as well. I kind of want to set the context up. Luke chapter 22 is where we find Jesus and the disciples celebrating what is probably the last supper that he experienced, the Passover supper, before going to the cross. This would have been the Passover supper where Jesus washed the disciples' feet, just putting on display this extreme um, um, attitude of humility and servanthood as he, the king of the universe, stooped down to wash the disciples' feet. This would have been the Passover where he told the disciples as they gathered around the table that one of you are going to betray me. Could you imagine what that conversation must have been like? Because the Bible goes on to say in Luke chapter 22 that a debate among them arose. 
And so you can get the picture in your mind that Jesus says this, mag- this astounding statement of one of you are going to betray me. And all of a sudden, the 12 starts saying, hey, how can it be me? Well, I don't say the 12 necessarily, maybe the 11, but it's not going to be me. I can promise you that. I would never, ever, ever deny him. It's not going to be me. And everybody's seen the meme of the little weird guy that kind of looking off to the side with his eyes rolled. That was probably Thomas. I mean, not Thomas, but uh, Judas sitting over in the corner being like, well, I don't know about this. But they were debating among themselves. And as they were debating among themselves, the Bible says an actual argument arose among them as to who is the greatest. So you get this picture of Jesus saying, when are you going to betray me? Everybody immediately responds, not me. There's no way. I would never. And then all of a sudden the debate amongst, well, why do you think you wouldn't deny him? I'm, imagine Peter. I'm the one that got out of the boat. And Andrew, the brother, would be like, good things. I was about to push you out of the boat. And then Thomas would have been like, well, I doubt you would have got out anyway. I mean, that's just kind of what he does. And then Judith would have been like, well, I was hoping you'd find some fish with some more coins in their mouth like you did before so I can keep the money and the money back. But so this debate and the argument arose among them. So here you have this beautiful moment of Passover where Jesus displays this extreme humility and servanthood. And then all of a sudden they're arguing and debating over something that Jesus said. And in the midst of that, that's where we get to our passage. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you even know me. So here we have in the midst of this debate, and in my mind, the way my mind works, I expect Peter was probably the loudest voice. That's the picture we get in the scriptures of Peter being the first one to speak, the first one to stick his foot in his mouth. Jesus often reminding him that, hey, it's not time to speak. It's not time to act. It's not time to do this. So I kind of picture Peter being the one who was really loud about how he could not possibly be the one who was going to betray Jesus and how also he should be the one who should be the greatest in the king in among the disciples. And Jesus looks at him and says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. So it's like Jesus calls out the one who I believe was probably speaking the loudest. Now, I think it's interesting. I've been calling him Peter. Jesus calls him Simon. And if you're not really familiar with Peter's story, his name originally was Simon. That's who he was as a fisherman. But when Jesus called him and Jesus had an experience, Peter had an experience with Jesus, whereby he said, your name will now be Peter, which signifies rock. It signifies strength. It signifies stability. It signifies a trustworthy wisdom, dependability. An unwillingness to move is what his name represented. But Jesus goes back and says, Simon. And I can't help but think that the reason why Jesus addressed him as Simon is because Jesus knew what was going to come. That Peter, the unshakable one, was going to revert to Simon, the shakable one, whenever the pressure was put on him. And so Jesus addresses him as Simon and says that the enemy has requested that Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now, some of you are probably like, well, what does this mean? You've got the microphone. To be honest with you, we really don't have the insight into the spiritual realm as to what this actually looks like. 
We have this, the word sift or ask or demanded, depending on if we translation read it. That word in the Greek is nowhere else found in the New Testament. The only other illustration we have of this kind of experience in the scriptures is back in Job, where it says the enemy petitioned and said, let me test Job and see if we get his faith to shake. So we don't know what this thing really looks like, but all we know is that there was an experience in the spiritual realm where the enemy targeted Simon. The enemy targeted Peter. He had a plan that he wanted to execute on Peter's life. And Jesus said to him, but I've prayed for you. I pray that your faith may not fail. But when you return, when you return from that season, I want you to strengthen your brothers. So Jesus tells him, Peter, despite your claims that you would go to death or prison with me, before the rooster crows, you're going to die, deny me three times. I'm, I, I would think in my mind, Peter probably didn't even hear that come from Jesus. He was so taken away by the thought that one, somebody would betray him, that two, that the enemy had a target for him. And he thought, you know what? I am Peter. I'm the rock. I am not going to move. But Jesus said, before morning comes, you're going to betray me. You're going to, I'm sorry, not betrayed. You're going to deny knowing me. You're going to deny knowing me. And for many of us, you know the story. You've seen the depictions on screen of what that looked like, being charged with, do you know him? And he denies the knowledge of him. And with each denial in the, in the way they portrayed on the videos that you see his face break down more and more and more and more. And then suddenly the rooster crows. And, season, and Peter enters into a season of spiritual turmoil because what he thought was never possible became possible because the enemy had a plan that Peter didn't think was possible. That denying Jesus in Peter's mind was not possible, but yet it happened just as Jesus said it would. You know, I think this passage is important because I think we've all had times like Peter. We've had times in our life whenever things are going good in our walk with Christ. We're kind of sailing right along and then next thing you know, something happens and we take a step back and we don't know how it happened. But all of a sudden we're looking as we're stepped back in our faith and we're wondering what happened? I was there with Jesus and then it happened here. Well, I think we've all experienced that in one measure or another. And I believe that if we were to be able to ask Peter, hey, what would you say to those of us who have been through some stuff in life? How many of you have been through some stuff in life? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've been through some stuff in life. See, that stuff is unavoidable. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus did not candy coat the troubles of the world. He did not dismiss them. He did not try to hide them. He told his followers up front, it's capturing his world. In this world, you're gonna have trouble. So again, how many of you had some stuff go on? Yeah, yeah, we had some stuff. So for those of us who've had some stuff go on in life, I think Peter would want to give us three words of encouragement. And so if you're a note taker, write this down. If you're not a note taker, write this down. See, I've been in LifePoint. I've been with Life. I understand. Write this down. Write this down. Did this come from Pastor Daniel? There we go. Yeah, this come from Pastor Daniel. There we go. So yeah, if you're not a note taker, write this down. But if you are, really write this down. The first thing I think Peter would say to us is don't sleep on the enemy's plans or purposes for your life. Don't sleep on the enemy's plans or purposes for your life. 
See, just as Jesus did not hide the fact that we will experience troubles in this life, he also did not hide the fact that the enemy has a plan. In John 10 and 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But he has come so so that we may have life and have it to the full. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come so that we can have this fully alive life. See, when Jesus predicted Peter's denial, I believe Peter was at a place in his life where he was sleeping on the reality of the enemy's plans and purposes. Remember whenever Jesus told him that, hey, before the rooster crows, you're going to die me three times. Peter said, no way. It's not going to happen. I will go to prison. I will go to death for you, Jesus. Peter wouldn't go beyond the rooster's crow for Jesus. And so I believe Peter was walking in this sense of self-confidence. He was more confident in his ability to hold on to Jesus than he was in the potential of the enemy to make him stumble. And so Peter was kind of sleeping on the reality that the enemy has a plan and a purpose for his life. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And his plan, his purpose has been uncovered is to steal kill and destroy. He wants to steal your dreams. He wants to kill your hope. He wants to destroy your passion. And that's his game plan. The thing is, is he's incredibly wise on how to do it. Because he, I believe he spoke and he tripped Peter up at the place where Peter thought he was the strongest. See, Peter thought he was the strongest. He had the name that meant strength. He had the name that meant rock. He had the name that meant firm and stable. And then he had the confidence in himself that he would go to death or prison before denying knowing Jesus. And the enemy attacked Peter at the place where he thought he was strongest. Only to find out that he was a lot weaker than he thought. And so I believe Peter would say to all of us today who have experienced some stuff in life, and maybe you haven't, maybe you're very early on in your walk with Christ. I love you. I'm glad you're here, but I also want to help you. The enemy has a plan. The enemy has a plan, but we have the victor. We have the one who has defeated the enemy. We have the one who has defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave within us living with us, but that doesn't mean the enemy is going to stop fighting. He's still got a plan and a purpose. It's like the little child you're trying to get into the doctor's office. They're not going to fight until the last minute, or they're not going to quit fighting until the last minute. The enemy has a plan. So how was it that Peter was sleeping? I just believe that he had kind of got caught up in his own capacity to believe. Rather than realizing that life was a journey, I believe Peter probably thought he was there. We're all on a journey. And it can become a place of arrogance that opens us up when we think that we finally arrived. Because don't get me wrong, I'm not who I was, but I'm not who I'm going to be. And I know I'm on a journey. And every step of that journey, there is Jesus leading and the enemy attacking. It's the nature of his work. And if we're not keenly aware of that all the time, then we will find ourselves set up for the attack to be successful. Are any of you boxing fans by any chance, MMA, any kind of physical altercation sport like that? (laughs) Parenthood, I mean, uh, but sorry. I just thought about that. I've wrestled my little one every now and then, so I know what it's like. But here's what I know. If you let your guard down, a punch is gonna land. 
you close your eyes, the punch is going to land. Just when you think it won't, it will. And in the same way, if we are going to live a life where we don't sleep on the enemy's plans and purposes, the biggest battle is just living life aware. I'm not saying living life as if there's a demon behind every tree and under every rock and in every bush. I'm just saying being aware that there is an enemy who's looking to take me down, so I need to lean harder every day into the one that has defeated him. Because it's only whenever I'm leaning into him that I'll find the strength and power to stand up to the attacks. And so we live with eyes open in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, later on in Peter's life. Peter is the pastor. He's writing to some Christians who are struggling. But he says this, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone he can devour. Do you see the dichotomy between the two experiences? In Luke chapter 2, there's no way I'm going to deny you. Not a shot. I'll go, to the, I'll go to death. I'll go to prison, whatever. And then as he has experienced some stuff in life, he has the experience to write to some people who are going through some stuff and say, hey, be sober-minded and alert. There's a real enemy who's got plans and purposes and intentions. So be aware. Live with your eyes, your heart, your spiritual eyes up, knowing that. There is one who looks to steal, kill, and destroy, but we have one who is greater with us. Amen? The second thing that I think Peter would say to us is don't give up on God's plans and purposes for your life. Don't give up on God's plans or purposes for your life. See, after Peter denied knowing Jesus three times, the rooster crowed, we find as the gospel story unfolds in the New Testament, in John chapter 21, we find this interesting experience. Let me set it up like this. So Jesus has already been crucified. He's resurrected. He has been making appearances to people all over the place. And this is going to be the third appearance in the flesh that he makes before the disciples. And after, after having experienced the resurrected Lord, you would think the Peter that we know before him denying Jesus would have been the one kind of parading through town, holding up the flag, pointing at the naysayer, saying, I told you he is who he said he was, and he did what he said he was going to do. But that's not what we find Peter doing. John chapter 21, verse 3, Peter says, I'm going fishing. Well, he said at verse one, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two other disciples were together. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. It doesn't make sense. Peter's experienced the resurrected Lord. Peter's experienced the empty tomb. And Peter, in light of all this, says, I'm going fishing. See, I believe there's more to what the Bible is telling us than just Peter's desire to go catch a big one. I believe Peter is stuck in this place of spiritual torment where he can't get over his failure. So he figures he might as well go back to the place from which he came before Jesus called him. Jesus was calling, Jesus called Peter as a fisherman. And after the resurrection, Peter had denied him. After the resurrection, Peter says, I'm going fishing. I believe Peter is stuck and he figures, since I've blown it with Jesus, I might as well go back to what I know, and that is fishing. And the Bible, Gospel of John records they fished all night long, nothing. Nothing. 
Now, talk, think about it. You're going to go back to what you thought you were good at, and then you're no longer good at it. You think you've blown it with what you had hoped for, and now you're no good at what you were once good at. And so this just becomes a whirlwind experience, emotional, psychological, spiritual. And then as they're coming back to shore, there's somebody standing on the shore ready to have breakfast. And the Bible says, as they recognized it being Jesus, Peter jumps out of the boat. He's probably thinking, well, I wonder if I could walk on water again. We don't, we're not told that he is, but he jumps out of the boat and he makes it to Jesus. And I believe it was a bit of shame as an uncertainty that drove him to Jesus, not knowing what Jesus would do with him. And we are told in the scriptures that there's this beautiful conversation that Peter and Jesus have where Jesus asked Peter, not once, not twice, but three times. Do you love me? And each question ironically aligns up with, do you know him? No. Do you know him? No. Do you know him? No. And it is in the context of this beautiful conversation that is held between Peter and Jesus that Peter experiences restoration. See, Peter had given up He thought, I might as well go back to who I was, go back doing what I'm doing, because I've blown it with all my hopes and dreams of being used by Jesus in the kingdom of God, so I might as well go back, and Jesus doesn't let him go back to where he was. Jesus restores him to the plans and the purposes that he had for life. See, Peter was ready to give up on God's plan. The good news is today is Jesus didn't give up on Peter. Even though Peter denied, Peter was ready to give up on God's plan for his life, but Jesus did not give up on Peter. And so the second thing I believe that Peter would want to say to us today is don't give up on God's plans for your life. If you've been through some stuff, that's fine. There's some time for recovery. I love it that it says that the other disciples told Peter, we're going with you. And I believe they knew that Peter was in a tough spot, that he needed some friends. They need some people. See, the, the enemy wants us to isolate when we're struggling but some friends jumped in the boat and went with him. And we're not given information about that, but I can't help believe it. It was good for Peter to not be alone. So I'm not saying that there's not time to recover, but I am saying there's time to say, don't give up on God's plan. Because here's what the enemy wants. He wants to kill your hopes to be used by God. He wants to kill your hopes to be used by God. And I'm here today by experience to say, and to put the enemy on notice, that do not give up on God's plan because he has not given up on you regardless of the stuff that you have been through. See, I was looking at a calendar and some of you know and some of you don't. But it's been a little over four years since I was doing what I'm doing right now regularly. God had given me the opportunity and the calling to lead in his kingdom, to preach and to teach and to see life change. And it was amazing. But then I went through some stuff. I went through a divorce. And in a tradition that tends to identify divorce as a scarlet letter, I bore the bags of bad tradition for the past four years. I felt like I was unuseful. I felt like I was disqualified. And so I know what Peter is talking about. And I never knew if God would ever use me again in the way that he had used me before. Actually, I was pretty positive that he wouldn't. 
And then an answer to prayers that I hadn't even been praying came to fruition whenever I met Pastor Sean at a McDonald's in the south side of Louisville. And what I didn't know was God began the process at a McDonald's of restoring somebody like me who had been through some stuff and thought that I had no option but to give up. But thank God he didn't give up on me because my prayer is here today that somebody is here who's been through some stuff and you need to hear, don't give up because he hasn't given up on you. Our sins may be great, but his grace is so much greater. His grace is so much greater. And so the third thing that I believe that Peter would say to us, so don't sleep on the enemy's plans and purposes for our lives. Don't give up on God's plans and purposes for your life. And finally, don't throw away what God wants to use. See, I believe whenever Peter was in that boat, he wished that the memory of his denying Jesus could be thrown out of that boat into the water to sink with every cast of the net. And most of us are like that. When we've been through some stuff in life, we would wish we could just forget it, but we all know that we can't. But if we go back to Luke chapter 22, we find that Jesus said, but when you return, strengthen the brothers. In other words, Jesus told Peter, you're going to go through some stuff, friend, and you're going to have a season of struggle, my friend. But when you return, when you recover, when you get to that point where you quit giving up on God's plans, I want you to strengthen other people. And that's where we get to later on in Peter's life, whenever he writes, his letters, the letters of 1st and 2nd Peter. He writes to people who are struggling. They are Christians who are going through a very tough time. Politically, it wasn't popular to be a follower of Christ. It could literally cost you your life, cost you your family, cost you your friends. And Peter knew that within the hearts and the minds of those who are experiencing that type of situation, that there were some who were ready to give up. They were contemplating, would it be easier to deny knowing him? Would it be easier to deny my affiliation with him so that I can quit experiencing this trouble in the here and now? And in 1 Peter chapter 5, he writes this in the conclusion of his message to them. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Do you see the dichotomy? Luke 22, he was very proud. I'm not going to deny you. I'll die or go to jail first. And now he's a man who says, humble yourselves before God. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. It's not about self-exaltation. It's about God's exaltation at the right time. Casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him. Resist him. He can say resist him because he knows like I know. We have in us and with us the one who has defeated the enemy who looks to steal, kill, and destroy. Resist him. Firm in the faith. 
knowing that the same kind of suffering is being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. And so here Peter, having experienced all of this in life, comes to a point where now it was no secret what had happened. I'm sure it was pretty common knowledge. This is Peter, the one who denied knowing Jesus, and now he's going to write to us and speak to us and encourage us. And Peter says, yeah, because I can say, yeah, me too. I've been there. I know what it's like to, to think that I would never. I know what it's like to be proud. I know what it's like to not give um, uh, any kind of weight to the fact that there's an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I know what it's like to think that I would never deny him, but in the moment, in the heat, I considered it easier to deny him than to stand firm in my connection to him before others. And so he'd say, I know what it's like. So he's able to speak from experience. And so see, at the beginning, I talked about the power of personal connection to start relationships. The other power of personal, personal connection is to be used by God to strengthen others because there may be some of you here today, I don't know, who you walked in and you've been carrying a scarlet letter of your own. You've been through some stuff that you think has put you on the sidelines to be really used by the kingdom of God. And you've heard God speak to your heart and every time you throw up the letter and say, I can't but I want you to hear again, though our sins be great, his grace is greater. His grace is greater. See, any of the stuff that we have experienced or done or been through, that was all nailed to a cross. To be remembered no more is what the Bible tells us. So that you and I, who are living in a world where we will experience troubles can know that our, the love that God has for us, the plans that God has for us is not contingent upon our performance. It's contingent upon who he is because he's strong whenever I'm weak. He's faithful whenever I'm faithless. He is there whenever I am absent. He pursues whenever I give up. And so now, Having gone through some stuff in life, I could stand before you and say, drop the letter. Don't give up on God's plans and purposes for your life because he's thrown that stuff as far as the East is from the West. Remember at the beginning of the year, Pastor Sean preached a message, sometimes we gotta drop some stuff in order to have the stuff that God wants for us. Maybe you gotta drop something. The enemy's had his time with you. He's been put on notice. He's been defeated claim that victory and know that his grace is greater than any of the stuff that we go through. And then, you know, we're in a small group moment. We're a season at church. We're in a season where small groups, some of you, like I said, you're going to find your best friend. Last week, we talked about how it's important that we have somebody in our life that knows us. Has somebody in our life that knows us. And here's what I believe for some of you sitting in this room today. You've been through some stuff and there's gonna be a small group encounter where somebody's gonna say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. And immediately in your mind, you're gonna be like, wow, they're going through what I have already been through. And not saying that you've mastered it, but all of a sudden there's a connection where you've got a wonderful opportunity to be used by God to strengthen somebody by sharing with them how God got you through what they are going through now. And that's the power of personal connection. 
So what do we do today? I know the prayer team's gonna be down front this morning. Maybe you're here and you're in some stuff right now and you need some prayer. Maybe you need some stuff, need some prayer. Remember I said, I have borrowed Pastor Sean and Jen's faith. I have lived on their faith whenever I didn't have enough. I know our prayer team has faith for a bunch. So if you need prayer, come down today and receive prayer. As we go into small groups, like I said, look for opportunities to not throw away what God wants to use. If we'd asked Peter, he would say, yeah, I wouldn't want to go through that. I would have never chosen that. And most of us the same way. We'd never chosen some of the stuff that we've experienced in life, but it happened. It's there. And guess what? There are others who can benefit from your experience when you allow God to take that season and strengthen another. And finally, I want to close this way. I've said it multiple times, though our sins be great as grace is greater. That's the message of the church is that while none of us are perfect and the Bible teaches us that our imperfection, our sin has separated us from God. His love for us did not leave that separation there. He sent his son to go and the son came and he came to our world and he lived the life that we could not live. He lived the perfect life that we could not live before the father, but he died the death that we deserved because of grace. And now he says to any who will call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. They will be saved. And maybe today, that's the message that God has for you. It isn't necessarily about connecting with another yet. It's about connecting with him. So in this room, if you will bow your head and close your eyes, whatever the Lord has said to you this morning, my prayer is that your heart is just open to receive it. If you're here today and you need prayer, like I said, the prayer team will be here. They'll be ready to put their faith on loan if you're needed, just to love on and care for you. But if you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His grace and love is calling you. So if you're here today, and you want to start that relationship with God, you want to experience the fullness of his love and grace, just simply say in your heart to him and him alone, he is the one you're talking to. The Heavenly Father, I know I am not perfect. I know that I have sinned. But you sent your son to pay that price on my behalf. So I receive that grace. I receive that love and give you all of me in return. If you prayed that prayer today, as a matter of fact, church, I believe somebody did. Let's go ahead and begin to celebrate. I believe somebody did. I believe today somebody stepped from death to life, that they became fully alive. They walked in and didn't have a lot of life in them. But today, I believe that they've been made fully alive. And so I look at you today and say, don't throw away what God wants to use. Small groups, we're going to be out front. We're going to celebrate baptisms. You're going to get connected this week. Allow God to use the stuff that you've been through like he used in Peter's life to minister and serve to others. And you will find redemptive joy in the struggle that you thought once would never end.
God bless you, church. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.